what is good? Welcome to Spirit Bill Real Talk with Juliana. I am your host, Juliana Page, and I am so excited that you are here. I am an author, a speaker, and a professional life coach, but really, I am here to give you practical wisdom that you can integrate into every area of your life so that you can thrive and not just survive. So if you are ready to live a spirit-led life and level up your inner game so that you can win in your outer game. Let's dive right in. What is good, everybody? Juliana Page here, and I am excited about this word. Oh my goodness. I personally feel and I know it to be true from my own experience that we often suffer unnecessarily. And there are so many people walking around the world uber frustrated and discouraged and disappointed. And I'm not minimizing what we're facing by any stretch of the imagination. However, I am highlighting that it is a choice in how you show up. And we have a lot of beautiful gifts that we don't always activate. So I want to talk about Maybe some people call it manifestation, which is interesting because we really manifest all the time. <laughs> but I want to talk really about how you can partner with God, how you can shift from being frustrated to free, okay? So let me give you a little a little story. I posted, it was really interesting. I feel like sometimes I get revelation in very strange ways and at very strange times, often when I'm not expecting it. Interesting how that happens, right? But this question came up to me. What's the role you're playing in your life that's of complete disservice to your potential? Whew! I hope you heard that. Listen, what's the role you're playing in your life that's of complete disservice to your potential? Okay, so let me let me give you some context to this. I think part of what made that stick out to me is I'm a film nerd. So I love storytelling. I love the hero's journey. I love the arc of a story. Like, I love it. I love understanding character development, motivation, what drives people, how they go from, you know, their victim stories to radically shifting their entire narrative. Love that. I can nerd out on that stuff. I have for years. <laughs> I went to grad school for film production. So that role line stuck out to me. But it was interesting because do we often think of that? A lot of times we just play roles and we don't recognize that they are in complete disservice to our potential. Okay, so what does that mean? That means that often we are wired and a lot of times this is subconscious. So it's not something that we actively think about intentionally every day. It's just how we're wired. So because we've never examined our wiring or maybe to the degree that we do something about it, we still show up that way. It's like an ingrained habit. You keep showing up and you do the same things, right? There's no new behavior because the story is the same. The subconscious thought is the same. So let me give you an example of how this works. So for example, when I was younger, I went through a lot of heartbreak, a lot of trauma, a lot of pain, a lot of dysfunction. And because of that, because of what I was exposed to very young, I thought the world is not safe. I need to control my reality so that I can at least buffer myself to some degree, protect myself to some degree from 
all of these things that are coming my way. And I've got to be anxious, basically. <laughs> Not that anyone would choose anxiety, but that's what it was wiring in me, is that the future is unsafe and I need to do everything in my power to figure out how I can make it more safe, okay? Meaning, I'm not embracing the very uncertainty that life is. Life is uncertain. No matter all the plans that you have, no matter all the vision boards that you have, no matter everything that you've accomplished and the things that you're dreaming about stepping into, life by nature is uncertain. And I was doing everything because of what I was exposed to, to resist, to resist life itself, okay? I've got to be perfect with what's handed to me. I've got to achieve all these things. I've got to figure out all these issues. I've got to correct these things. I've got to do all this stuff, right? Which is a very frantic and sort of manic way to live, all right? And there's no surrender in that. <laughs> there's no trust in that. There's no faith in that. And that is not freedom, okay? That just leads to a lot of frustration. It leads to a lot of discouragement because things rarely go exactly the way that you expect them to go. Or if your expectation or your faith is really in negative things, you start to see more of that, which is really, really heartbreaking and dysfunctional, right? So as an example, I had this through line, this subconscious belief that I was inadequate somehow, that I was unworthy somehow, that I was not enough, okay? And when you walk around with that in your subconscious, again, it's not like we wake up and we look at ourselves in the mirror and we're saying that, but sort of, right? Like you're living with that embedded in your soul, okay? Which is a lie, by the way, but we often live for years like that. But when you have this lie that I'm not enough, what starts to happen is you start to get frustrated, you start to get discouraged, you start to burn out because you can never be enough. So you're basically living from this mental prison. You're living from this lens of what do I need to do to prove that I'm worthy? What do I need to shift so that I can be worthy? What do I need to fix so that I can demonstrate that I'm worthy. Do you see what I'm saying? So, and it's never enough because if you go through life with that paradigm, life will just often give you people in circumstances to prove your worth, meaning they're not going to value you, they're not going to appreciate you, they're not going to celebrate you, they're not gonna support you because you're not doing that to yourself. Okay, I hope you're hearing this. <laughs> so another way to save that, or to say that, is that our belief, right, is often, our perception, rather, is often what creates dis-ease in our life, the absence of ease, okay? And it really manifests in our lives in really interesting ways, right? And until we shift our perception, we're not ultimately going to shift our circumstances in any sort of profound way with lasting impact. So it's really imperative that we wake up internally, okay? And I'm not saying that we're here to be perfect because that's not what I'm after. I'm not here to be perfect. I was wired to believe that way, but I'm recognizing and what I know today is that I'm here to be love, okay? And so even on my own God journey, now I'm not a pastor, I'm not a preacher, I'm not any of those things, right? I'm somebody that loves God and applies God's word to my life and shares my insights, okay? <laughs> um, so... 
this is what I know. I'm here to be love. And in my own God story, I didn't know love because I didn't know the author and creator of love. So that became an imperative shift for me to grow and develop relationship with God. Okay. So all that to say, basically what I really want to highlight here is that you can be doing all of the things. Okay. And we particularly in America, pride ourselves on doing all the things. Oh, I've been really busy. This is what I did. I stayed up till 3 a.m. I accomplished this. It was really hard. Like we embrace busy and things being hard. My thought is, do they have to be? I don't think so, actually. God leads in ways of pleasantness and peace, right? He says, cast your cares on the Lord because he cares for you. So I don't think we're supposed to be operating that way from what I've read, right? And from what I know also. So for years in my own story, I was doing everything I could do to have this vital life that I believe that were promised, right? But it was really weird because I wasn't wired to figure that out. I hadn't seen that, right? Like how do you live this vital life where you're taking care of your health, you have really healthy relationships, you're thriving in your purpose, you feel really centered. Like how do you do that when you've never seen it presented to you, right? So I believe that I was doing all the things, right? I'm like reading all the self-help books and going to all the conferences. Like I'm learning all the new information. I'm throwing myself into different experiences to have experiential education, right? Like I'm like gathering all this stuff, right? So remember, it was a lot of loss and a lot of heartbreak that ultimately in the long run led to heart opening and spiritual awakening, right? And at this time, I was genuinely inspired to change, but I hadn't had a change in the relationship I had with myself, okay, hear that, particularly in my subconscious and with my mind, all right? So I'm doing all the things on the outside to change behavior, but I'm not changing the root, okay? I was basically becoming the best version of my limited self. I was trying to perfect behavior without looking at what it was rooted in, okay? And so here's where the shift happened, all right? Eventually, when I came into relationship with God, I began to realize that I don't know, right? Because I was a question master. My undergrad was in journalism, so I'm really great at research (laughs) and asking awesome questions, right? But I came to realize that I don't know answered all my questions. Isn't that interesting? I don't know and embracing uncertainty freed me from constantly searching and trying to fix or protect myself, okay? So it freed me from having to be so self-centered and introspective and from having to figure out life and it allowed me to accept it for what it is. So I started to really pay attention to what degree I could be okay not knowing what's going to happen and knowing the one who does, right? Like if God knows what's up, if God's sovereign and has it all figured out, that means that I don't have to be God. I don't have to have everything under my control, right? And it's not going to happen, right? It will elude me. The more control I think I have, the more things will just start shifting and getting out of control in my life, honestly, is what starts to happen there. Okay. So let me rephrase this so that you can hear me. All right. So from what I've seen, getting upset doesn't transform our circumstances. It just makes us less effective in stewarding them. Is it true? 
right? Like, do you know that to be true from your own experience? The more you get upset, the more you get frustrated. Does that fix your circumstance or does it just make it worse? In my experience, it just makes it worse. It fogs up my mind. It makes me emotionally volatile. (laughs) I probably get a lot of wrong things rooted in my heart and it only holds me back. It sets me back, okay? So freedom, which is our true self, our true nature, is the absence of the search for happiness, which is wild because we believe in the pursuit of happiness, okay? Which is a setup to be frustrated, all right? We have it now. We have happiness now if we choose it, but often we won't let ourselves be happy until. Until I have the guy or the girl, until I have the car, until I have the house, until I have the business, until I have the overflowing bank account, until I have the yacht, until I have the jet, until I have the children, until I have the fame, until I have the following, until I have the attention, until I have the bestseller list, right? Whatever it is for you, we won't let ourselves be happy until. Which, if you go deeper, is this root of I'm not worthy, I'm not enough, I'm inadequate, and I won't be enough, I won't be worthy, I won't be adequate until. And culture and society usually programs us for these things. So if you're, you know, over 30 and you're a single woman and you're not married, there's something wrong with you, right? (laughs) Or if you are in a certain profession, right, you're labeled some kind of way. Or if you don't have kids yet, people want to figure out why don't you have kids, right? Like there's shaming involved. It's really interesting. All right. So resistance to what is, even yourself, is suffering. And what God was really revealing to me is who am I to judge God's creation? That includes myself, right? Who am I to judge and criticize and hate and be against God's creation? And let me tell you this to make it deeper. If you are against yourself, you're against the world. Mm-hmm. Okay. So resistance to what is, is suffering. Suffering. And life will always present people and circumstances into our lives until such time we recognize we're not free and we reconcile it. Now for me, I think inevitably what I was after was freedom, but I didn't know how to get it. And I was looking for the things outside of me to set me free. All right. And that, again, is often how the world is set up. Go read this self-help book. Go to this conference. Go get this mentor. Go. Right. Like we're told to go get these things. But true, profound acceptance embraces all of it. It's no longer fighting life without there needing to be a lens of there's something wrong. Okay, like our brain, our survival brain wants to protect ourselves. It wants to anticipate what's going to happen. It wants to figure things out, right? But if you can just accept and embrace life without this need to find something wrong, it's a totally different life experience. You can have, here's the thing, you can have a commitment to living an extraordinary life while simultaneously accepting where you are and the way things are. That's ease, okay? It's like, flowing downstream versus trying to swim upstream. Completely different way to experience life, okay? So hear that again. You can have a commitment to living an extraordinary life while simultaneously accepting where you are and the way things are. That's ease, okay? So in the kingdom, this is what I believe. In life, there's this or, this but, right? In the kingdom, there's this and, 
right? There's not all these limitations, okay? So think about that for you. Think about that for you. Just have this in the back of your mind as I kind of transition this message. Likely, you're not here to be perfect. You may know that. You may be discovering that, okay? You're, you're not here to perform for others. You're not here to earn your righteousness. You're not here for those things, okay? And it will create a very different path for you if you believe that you are. So let me ask you this. Where in your life are you upset? Where are you frustrated? Just do a scan. You don't have to let anybody know. You don't have to email me. <laughs> but do a scan. Where in your life are you upset? Is it a relationship? Is it with yourself? Is it at work? Is it your finances? Is it with God? Where in your life are you upset? Now, you might not like this part, but you'll thank me later. What a gift. Here's the thing. When we are upset, it's actually a gift because it's a glimpse of a new possibility, a new place where we can step into freedom. It's revealing to us where we are in some sort of prison where we're locked up, where we're stuck, okay? But we're not. We have freedom because who the sun sets free is free indeed. We're just not living in it. So it's a new place of freedom, of wholeness, of possibility. And the real question would be not necessarily where are you upset. That's a starting point and that awareness is valuable. But are you ready to feel good? Are you ready to be free? And then you can start choosing it. And the moment you choose that, you start taking these inspired actions to feel it, to receive it, to be it, to live in it, okay? So I'm gonna take you through what I call the spirit feel real talk. So you got some real talk, I'm gonna fill it with some spirit so you get it, all right? <laughs> Not that you don't, but feel me on this so we can really lock it in, okay? So, ooh, also, there was this thought that I had. Um, I was really struggling Here's another example, because I feel like this is being highlighted to me for somebody on today. But that, hear this, you might have heard this before, but that which you have will save you if you bring it forth from yourself. That which you do not have within you will kill you if you do not have it within you. Okay, so essentially this quote is saying you are designed to bring forth everything that's in you. And if you don't bring it forth, it will frustrate you. It will, oh my goodness, it will just create so much unrest in your soul because your very nature is designed to develop your potential, to share it, to get it out, right? So I'm bringing this up because for me, I grew up in such a way where we didn't talk about issues. I, you know, I really didn't talk at all. Like I just suppressed things. I didn't have a voice. Um, I just went along with what I was expected to do and it was suffocating. And then when I started feeling all the feelings, cause I felt like I was only allowed to feel certain feelings or I was only allowed to think certain things or do certain things that was very limiting for me. I actually at one point believed that I wasn't creative. I was told that. So I like, Oh, I guess, I guess you're right. I have to do the responsible, logical things. So I was working against, what I'm highlighting here is I was working against my nature. I was suppressing all the things that were in me and it was miserable. It was miserable. I like was hating myself. All of this stuff, like who am I to have all this stuff? I'm not supposed to have it, okay? So 
Freedom was not that. And so I'm highlighting that there's a totally different way to live and you're supposed to express everything that's on the inside of you. So I hope that helps somebody on today. All right. So how can you be set free if you don't realize you're bound? <laughs> if you're frustrated a majority of the time, if you're discouraged, if you're all wound up a majority of the time, if you're living with a ton of anxiety, you're not free. So you probably can recognize in some kind of way that you're bound. All right, let me say it from John 8, 31 through 34. So Jesus was saying to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, meaning continually obeying my teachings and living in accordance with them, then you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth regarding salvation and the truth will set you free from the penalty of sin. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been enslaved to anyone. What do you mean by saying you will be set free? Jesus answered, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, everyone who practices sin habitually is a slave to sin. Okay, so what's happening here is we are designed to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So essentially, when you are born again, the seed of God's nature is on the inside of you. But we are designed to grow up in God, to realize our potential, to understand what it means to think like God, to have God's perspective, to approach situations with God, right? Not ourselves, okay? So we are going through a rewiring process, if you want to look at it that way. When you're given a new nature, right, you, you take time to mature into that, to embrace the fullness of what that means, to apply it to different life situations. So maturing in God is the best way to demonstrate it is the fruit of the spirit. How much fruit are you operating in? That's a really quick way to self-check on your maturity. Okay. Another one. Okay. So the other thing to highlight here is the more we do things our own way, anything that's not faith basically is sin, right? So the more things we do our own way, the more suffering, the more frustration we're going to experience. That's what that's highlighting. Okay. Moving on to Ephesians. This is 4, 17 through 30. So this I say and solemnly affirm together with the Lord as in his presence that you must no longer live as the unbelieving Gentiles live in the futility of their minds and in the foolishness and emptiness of their souls. For their moral understanding is darkened and their reasoning is clouded. They are alienated and self-banished from the life of God with no share in it. This is because of the willful ignorance and spiritual blindness that is deep-seated within them, because of the hardness and insensitivity of their heart. And they, the ungodly, in their spiritual apathy, have become callous and unfeeling, have given themselves over as prey to unbridled sensuality, eagerly craving the practice of every kind of impurity that their desires may demand." But you did not learn Christ in this way. If, in fact, you have really heard him and have been taught by him just as truth is in Jesus, revealed in his life and personified in him, that regarding your previous way of life, you put off your old self, completely discard your former nature, which is being corrupted through deceitful desires, and be continually renewed in the spirit of your mind, having 
a fresh, untarnished mental and spiritual attitude and put on the new self, the regenerated and renewed nature created in God's image, God-like, in the righteousness and holiness of the truth, living in a way that expresses to God your gratitude for your salvation. And it goes on about rejecting falsehood. It's really, really a good verse. I mean, there's so much depth here, but essentially we grow up in God. We mature in God. Okay. And we don't have an excuse of ignorance. All right. So I know in the very, very beginning, I would like to, oh, well, I didn't have a legacy of faith or I didn't know any better. Right. (laughs) But then you no longer have that excuse, right? At some point I had to be like, well, I'm going to buy a Bible and then I'm going to start reading it and I'm going to start praying or learning how to pray or I'm going to read the word and see if it becomes active for me, right? Like I'm going to apply what I'm being led to do. I can't just say that, oh, well, you know, I didn't have it, so I'm just going to live ignorantly. No, you are exposed to it and then you measure your life up to it. There's a new standard, okay? So it starts, transformation in this case will start at the heart and it will show up in your behavior, okay? So there's things that are permissible for you to do, but not all things are good for you to do, all right? So we want to survive, or I'm sorry, (laughs) we don't want to survive. Um, We want to thrive, not just survive. But what I've seen is that we want God to do all the work. Now, I will say that often God does the heavy lifting, but we partner with God, okay? We can't just like sit back and wait on God to fix everything for us. That's not how it works. There's a partnership involved and we are working our will, okay? So Ephesians 4.27 says this, and do not give the devil an opportunity to lead you into sin by holding a grudge or nurturing anger or harboring resentment or cultivating bitterness, Like, what? Okay, so here's another way to say this. There is an enemy. We know this, right? But a lot of times we give the enemy too much credit and we often give the enemy too much place and then we wonder why we are where we are, all right? And it says, do not give the devil an opportunity to what? Kill, steal, and destroy, basically. But to lead you into sin by holding a grudge, okay, that's a heart issue, nurturing anger, again, heart issue, harboring resentment, heart issue, or cultivating bitterness. A lot of the problems that we have are because of these subconscious that we, beliefs that we have, because it's with the heart that we believe, okay? So we've got to address what is in our heart, and that's one of the most beautiful processes that we can experience. And I didn't have real heart healing until I surrendered my life to God, straight up. I was doing all the things, right? But never healed my heart. Okay, so how do we shut the door? We can see here that we can open the door to the enemy and I'm gonna explain how we can do that. And then I'm going to tell you how we can shut the door and how you can really embrace a creative process with God. Really exciting stuff. Okay. So, where is the one I want to show you? Okay, this is 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Do not love the world of sin, that is, that oppresses God, or that opposes God and its precepts, nor the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 
For all that is in the world, the lust and sensual craving of the flesh and the lust and longing of the eyes and the boastful pride of life, pretentious confidence in one resources or in the instability of earthly things. These do not come from the Father, but are from the world. The world is passing away, and with its lust, the shameful pursuits and ungodly longings. But the one who does the will of God and carries out his purposes lives forever. Okay, so essentially, when we love things that are outside of us, when we idolize them, we give our power to them. Okay, and then they control us and we start to see how futile they really are. Okay, but this actually highlighted the three doors or the three ways that we can invite <laughs> the enemy to have a foothold into our life. Okay, and basically these things bring death. They bring destruction. They don't bring life. They don't bring freedom. They don't bring wholeness. They essentially pull you out of alignment. But notice it's by your permission. Okay. So number one is the lust of the flesh. This is our passions. It's the things that we're really passionate about, okay? And often they can lead us into temptation, right? God will always provide a way of escape, but if we're just so set on our own way and doing what we want when we feel like we want to do it, there's no wisdom in that. There's no discernment in that. And we've often seen that movie before, right? There's a way that seems right to us, but in the end is destruction, this is usually the door, okay? So something to keep in mind is that choices lead and feelings follow. Choices lead and feelings follow. A lot of times when we open the door to the enemy, specifically with this area of our life, it is because what we are doing is we're just inviting him in. We're saying, come on in, enemy, <laughs> right? But we, we don't recognize that we decide and then we start to feel, okay? So decide that this is important to you. Decide that this is the standard that you're going to operate and then let your feelings follow. Don't trust your feelings because that will lead you every which way, right? Okay, so the next one is the lust of the eyes. This is our possessions, okay? And as we become obsessed with acquiring things, you can see how that can pull you out of alignment. It becomes identity formation, basically. And instead of just having stuff, we make stuff our obsession, okay? And then the last one is the pride of life. This is our position. This is how we want to be perceived and seen in the world. And we can really get caught up in pride, in our ego, in self inflamed <laughs> concepts, right? So those are the three things. These are three doors that we can open. So just pay attention. When I asked you before, where in your life are you upset? Where in your life are you frustrated? Where in your life, and in other words, are you out of alignment? Take a look at lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, okay? Now, okay, cool. Yes, I can open the door, but I can also close the door, right? We have choice here. We have permission to the access that we give the enemy in our life, okay? We have power and authority. We don't often like to accept that, but we have it, okay? So we gotta start living by it. All right, number one, deal with lust of the flesh by integrity, right? I know, your fave, okay. So this is choosing not to live double-minded because a double-minded man is unstable in all, not some, in all of his ways, right? Most people, 
okay, need somebody in their life to keep them accountable. Most people need that. I need that. I am a professional life coach. I've been doing that for years. It's just a beautiful gift, right? And I know the power of accountability and I have tons of accountability in my own life, right? Spiritual covering, coaches, mentors, um, people that, that can tell me when I'm off, tell me when that's not a good path to go down, can weigh what I'm thinking with a different perspective because we have blind spots, okay? So deal with the lust of the flesh by integrity. This is what I'm feeling, okay, but what do you know, okay? What if you decide, what is the path that you've decided to follow, right? And then let your feelings follow that path. So deal by integrity. Number two is deal by generosity. And this is Luke 638. I'll give you a reference for this one. Um, You've heard this before. I just want to highlight this is often out of context. Give and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over with no space left for more. For with the standard of measurement you use, when you do good to others, it will be measured to you in return. So we often interpret that as give and we'll get. If I give, then I'll get, right? But that actually is a setup for just selfishness and greed. Really, right? Like I'm only giving because I'm wanting to get. That's messed up, okay? But you've got to get the context of it, which we miss. You've always got to read the scripture before, (laughs) okay? So Luke 6.37 says, Do not judge others self-righteously and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others when you are guilty and unrepentant and you will not be condemned. For your hypocrisy, pardon others when they truly repent and change and you will be pardoned when you truly repent and change. So this is talking more about heart position and giving with the right heart, not giving to get, but giving with the right heart. Okay. And to really drive that message home, Matthew six twenty one. for where your treasure is, there your heart, your wishes, your desires, that on which your life centers will be also. So essentially what that's saying is if we put our hearts in the wrong things, if we idolize the wrong things, then we're going to experience the wrong things, the opposite of freedom. We're going to have resistance. We're going to have frustration. It ain't going to be good. Okay. So integrity is how you deal with the lust of the flesh. Generosity is how you deal with the lust of the eyes. And then humility is how you deal with the pride of life, right? It's funny to me when people say how humble they are. I'm like, well, if you're humble, you don't need to tell me. Like, I'll be able to see it. All right. So humility is thinking of yourself less. It's it's less introspection. It's less self-centeredness. It's more about how you can serve others versus living for others to serve you, okay? So John 3.30 says it this way. Dun, dun, dun. All right. John 3.30 says, He must increase in prominence, but I must decrease. Okay, so we feel like that's punishment, but it's not. We are designed to think of God, to glorify God, to magnify God. And when we don't, we get out of alignment, right? The more God aware we are, the more confident we are, the more peace we have, the more joy we activate. It's a completely different life experience. So the test of how humble you are is not how much you can tell me. It's how you treat people, particularly the people that can do nothing for you. How you treat people is how you can test your humility. So these are how 
we can rewire subconscious thoughts. There's ways to do it, okay? Because I believe Holy Spirit often convicts. Holy Spirit often reveals what is going on in our hearts. And it's gentle. It's not in a condemning way. It's not to produce guilt, shame, or condemnation. It's so that there can be real life change and transformation. Again, it starts in the heart and then the behavior follows. So when we keep God centered, when we surrender our heart completely to God, he can begin this work in us and we can grow up and mature in God, okay? So we decide, we decide that we're gonna do that. We believe and then we can receive is a way to think about it. Or... I'm going to decide to follow God and I'm going to trust that I'm going to feel good in the process and I'm going to hold all of the promises loosely in the sense of it's going to be this or something better. So I'm not going to grip outcomes, right? And things don't have to happen the way that I expect them to. I'm going to hold them loosely because I know that it's either going to be that by this time or something better this way or something better this thought or something better because God promises Ephesians 3.20 that he will do exceedingly abundantly above all I dare ask, think, or imagine. Okay. And he has a good plan for me. So I'm going to decide to partner with God. I'm going to decide to feel good. I'm going to let myself feel good. I'm going to partner with God and take the inspired actions that he reveals to me. And I'm going to hold the outcomes loosely. I'm not going to chase after outcomes, right? I'm going to chase after God and let him bring that other stuff to me. Seek the kingdom first and all those other things will be added unto me. I'm going to abide and do my inner work because it's from that inner place of wholeness that I receive different, more pleasant life circumstances and situations, right? Okay, so you can shift from frustrated to free, but you decide, you believe it's possible and you partner with God to receive to be a good receiver of what he's instructing you to do, of his love, of his blessings, of his promises in the perfect ways and the perfect timing, he delivers it. Because God's thoughts are not our thoughts and God's ways are not our ways. All right? So the power of belief is huge. One of the greatest abilities God has given us is this ability to believe, okay? Even in Ephesians 1.19, Paul prayed that we would understand the incredible greatness of God's power for those who believe. So that's what I want to leave you with. Believe that you are designed to feel good. Believe that you are designed to live abundant life. To believe that God is good and he delights in prospering his servants, okay? So I just bless you with that on today. If you are interested in coaching, if you are really craving some more information on authority work, on co-laboring with God and just developing your quiet time with God and really getting in position to hear his voice in a greater way, the God's Vibes Matter books are great resources. And I also have a self-mastery course. So again, you can think of yourself less and be about service, okay? So all of those are available on julianapage.com. You can also get more messages like this over on my YouTube channel, Juliana Page, and you can follow some of the behind the scenes over on Instagram at Miss Juliana Page. All right, guys, until next time, stay blessed.